Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Drew Johnson with Touchstone Realty in Martinsburg, West Virginia. Last year, he closed 349 transactions with a total sales volume of $34 million. His average sales price was $98,000, of which 20% were buyers and 80% were sellers. He works with one personal assistant and has been an agent for 10 years. In this call, Drew talks about how a visit to the county courthouse was the seed of his success. His courthouse investor program that results in 120 to 130 closings per year. Why is Model Works in up and down markets? How he expanded in the multiple real estate related businesses through partnerships, including brokerage, property management, and construction. Building slowly but surely by focusing on production, not commission. His belief that there's no such thing as a real estate emergency. His time management principle of why do something today when you can get someone else to do it tomorrow. What happens in his typical day. Plus delegation strategies, profit margins, and more. First, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Drew. Thank you. How are you today? Good. Good, Drew. It's good to have you here. Hey, Drew, before we talk about what you're doing now, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. I was in the United States Navy, actually. I was a uh, search and rescue swimmer in the Navy stationed in, uh, stationed in Japan. You know, as a matter of fact, a lot of what we'll talk about today is some of the uh, foundational growth things I learned in the Navy. You know, being regimented and having a schedule and sticking to it and, you know, sticking kind of to uh, the, the things you, you do every day, do it day in and day out. And then after the Navy, um, I got out of the Navy. You know, I started college, kind of figured out that, you know, perhaps that wasn't exactly for me, <laughs> you know, and met my wife. Uh, I always knew what I wanted to do. Didn't really know when I would go there and start that and be a real real estate agent. I just knew that's kind of the direction I was moving. Uh, we had a little bit of maybe some family history and uh, in our area for, for realtors. My grandfather was a realtor and land developer. You know, I was kind of working in that business through high school, you know, so I knew what I wanted to do, didn't know exactly what that meant, but I, I was sure that I wanted to be a real estate agent, and you know, I knew that I liked sales. So that's kind of the, the back history of me. We got married. I'm going on my 10th year anniversary this year. We'll be leaving for Italy, which we're so excited for. And then you know, I got two little girls, and you know, I pretty much just lived the normal life that everyone else out there lives. That's fantastic. Well, congratulations on the 10 years. Thank you. It's been, a, it's been an easy 10 years. And yeah, I'm lucky. I married up and I married well. You've been in the real estate business for how long now? 10 years. 
I actually started in uh, Arizona. Amber and I, uh, my wife, we went out to Arizona so she could afford her education and through grad school, and that's where I got my start. I found a ad in the newspaper and thought, "Guys, this is just God's divine intervention. He's sending me um, sending me newspaper clippings now." So I went with it, and um, I started about ten years ago, and I've been going strong ever since. How long did you sell real estate in Arizona before you moved to West Virginia? Not long. I'm going to tell you about yeah, about maybe ten months to a year. You know, it was just a uh, it was a tough market. I didn't know anybody, and of course, you know, that's very important in real estate. And well, it doesn't have to do with real estate; it's just important in life. You know, I I knew nobody, and when you know nobody, it's really hard to network. It's really hard to market yourself. It's really hard to you know give value added service and you know, all the things that we all know, love, and trust. But I didn't know anybody, so you know, we just really decided that this is what I wanted to do. She could continue her education back in West Virginia, and you know, maybe we should come back here where I knew some more people. So about about a year is the short answer. When you got started, do you think you had a fast start or a slow start? I had a fast start. Um, well, you know, I, I kind of break down my real estate career in two pieces. You know, the first piece being in Arizona, which was relatively slow, but you know, good because I I learned a lot and I uh, I was you know learning how hard this business really is. Um, and just as a short story, when I was in Arizona. I finally got hired, which is another whole story in itself, but I finally convinced the broker of uh, Century 21 Flagstaff out there to uh, to hire me. Um, they weren't hiring anybody at the time, but you know, somehow I was able to convince my way in. And on the first day of you know work, I get there. It's bright and early, 5.36 in the morning. I'm an early guy, and uh, my broker comes in about 6.30, and you know, he's kind of looking at me, and I'm looking at him, and I don't know what I expected, and I don't. He was giving me the old "Why you looking at me?" stare, you know. And I was like, "Well, I'm here." Yeah, and I I knew nothing. Like I, 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 I thought literally I was going to sit down at my desk and have my little cubicle and my whiteboard, and there would be these magical leads that would pop up and be like, "Hey, you know, Bob Smith wants to sell his house over on High Street. I better give him a buzz." You know, of course there is nothing like that in real estate, um, which is some of the you know, fundamental reasons why I've done what I've done in my career. And he handed me a phone book. And he's like, here you go. I'm like, yeah, okay, what am I doing with this? You know, and he's like, you just start cold, cold calling people. You don't know anybody, so here's how you start. You know, so Arizona was slow. But as soon as I got back to West Virginia, as soon as I got my license hung, I mean, it was just on fire. I mean, first day, first day at the office, I sold a house, you know, went in, got a floor call, ran out, you know, sold the house, put it on the contract, closed it pretty quick in the first two or three weeks, and, you know, made my first couple thousand dollars, and, you know, I was hooked from there on. Now, you've been doing this for 10 years. How many homes did you sell last year? Last year, I sold 349 homes, um, 349 transactions, which is, in our market, about $34, $35 million. We, we, we stay around about the $100,000 $100, average home sales price. Yeah, and my little market probably transacts maybe fourteen, fifteen hundred houses a year. So, you know, that's forty percent of the market somehow in some way I touched last year. Yeah, so I'm I'm really the uh you know, three hundred pound gorilla around here, you know, even though I I don't look at myself that way, but you know, I I touched a lot of houses. So you're a big fish in a little pond. I am. I mean, I am. You know, and I, I never expected that. Um, I, I'm a very humble guy. I, I, I really like to stick to my roots. Um, you know, I, I still wear you know, a t-shirt and blue jeans to work. And, you know, I, 
I I live in a very modest home and I drive a very modest car and yeah I just uh, I'm just not that guy you know I've 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 done well and I've been successful and I've made some money along the way but yeah I really try to stick to my roots. Drew, let's talk about your market. Let's give everybody a picture of of where you're at. Where is Martinsburg, West Virginia? Okay, um, well Martinsburg, West Virginia is about 60 miles west of DC. So uh, we're over three counties west of D.C. So there's a Loudoun County outside of D.C., and then there's the first county in West Virginia, which is Jefferson County, which we service that county. And then there's Berkeley County, which is the county I mainly service. So, you know, I'm not, even though I'm in West Virginia, and, you know, West Virginia's kind of always been known as, like, this little tiny state where, you know, real estate doesn't go up or down or it doesn't succeed or fail, you know, and much of the state. Outside of D.C., we're easy commute into D.C. We, you know, we get a lot of that uh, transplant traffic. What we, what we always say is people like to drive west till they qualify. You know, when, when you can't qualify in the county over anymore, you drive to the next county. And when the prices are too high there, you drive to our county. You know, and when they're too much here, you drive to the next county west. So, you know, we we get a lot of that. We we have a a good bit of uh, industry. We have a you know like Macy's is here, and we you know, we we have a a good bit of warehouse industry, uh, GMs here, that kind of stuff. So, you know, those are the type of people we're dealing with in our market. Just you know, just real blue collar people. Do you know how big your city or county is population wise? Berkeley County is about fifty thousand, and uh, Jefferson County is about twenty eight thousand, and I think those numbers are about three to four years old, so it's probably up a little bit more than that. But, you know, it's certainly by the means of much of the country a, a tiny area. Could you describe your current real estate market? You know, the average sales price in our market, and I just pulled this yesterday just randomly, had nothing to do with this, but it was $152,800. Um, my sales, um, my personally, my average sales price is usually lower than that. Um, I'm pretty heavy with uh, RIOs and investors, and you know that that stuff moves faster, but moves for cheaper typically. Most of our homes here are kind of you know middle class. We got some middle upper class, some middle lower class, but uh, it's pretty much kind of in those three brackets. A lot of investors in kind of in this area. Some of the some of the money comes out of the city to come down here and you know buy three or four rental properties that they can easily manage from 40 or 50 miles away. And the market was really really hot in 2005, 2006, just like the rest of the country. Of course, um, we got we got hammered here locally. As a matter of fact, we were in one of the top 20 um, as the hardest hit areas and. Can't remember what magazine or article it was in, but you know we 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 got it really bad. Three hundred thousand dollar houses, kind of at the lowest, um, we're selling in one twenty, one thirty range. So we're we're up from that now. Kind of your two thousand five, three hundred thousand dollar house is probably like two ten, two twenty now. So you know we're we're certainly get there. I would say we're we're definitely in as far as price trend. We're we're improving. We're not falling anymore. We're not going up super fast, which is you know it's. No hyperinflation. That's that's perfectly fine. It can keep moving the direction at the pace it's moving. You know, yeah. Average average house sits on the market probably thirty five, forty days. Rio is a little bit less. You know, resales a little bit more. Of course, short sales take forever. So, and I would say there was a time that we were probably uh, I'd say fifty fifty. You know, Rio versus you know just standard sales, but. Yeah, that's really changed. We're probably like 80-20 real short sales now versus, you know, maybe 20%. 20% is probably uh, the foreclosure market now. 
So it's gone. It, that's gone down, which of course is a good thing. Looking out at your overall market right now, about eighty percent is back to traditional or equity sales, and just about twenty percent is left for foreclosures and REOs. Yeah, I would say that's probably that's probably pretty accurate. It's uh, it was probably flip flopped, <laughs> you know, maybe two or three years ago, but uh, we're we're happy to say that that our market is improving. Things are getting better, and yeah, we're we we're we're, we're really excited. Do you have a niche or a specialization in your market? You know, I would say uh, Rios. Rios are my my main thing. I do Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Chase, HUD, uh, Nation Star. We have a Nation Star statewide broker agreement in both uh, West Virginia and Ohio. Same thing with Wells Fargo statewide broker agreements with them. Yeah, so uh, that's really been my kind of my my niche over the last four or five years. But, you know, I've recognized in the last, you know, 12, 18 months that it's time to kind of move from that direction. Things are changing. Laws are changing. Rules are changing. You know, know, Fannie Mae's changing. Freddie Mac's changing. Everything's changing. And that's okay because those are good things. We we want those things to change because when – when everything was bad, you know, it was it was good for some people and really bad for the rest of the rest of the world. You know, so I'd say Rios and short sales probably are maybe fifty, sixty percent of my business still. You know, then probably twenty percent, fifteen, twenty percent circle of influence. You know, I do a lot of farming. I do a lot of uh, courthouse step foreclosure stuff, which is kind of a very niche market for me. Nobody else around here does that. I think we'll probably chat about that here in a little while, but that's kind of my breakdown and my specialization of my market. I am curious what you mean by courthouse step foreclosure leads. What's going on there? What are you doing there? You know, everyone's interested in that whole thing. I, <laughs> I, I, uh, I stumbled upon this whole, I guess really I'll just call it market slash industry by accident. I was driving past my courthouse steps one day and there's three or four guys who are out there and I'm like, oh, I wonder what's going on here, right? Somebody's getting married. Well, so I stopped and walked up and, you know, they were, they were doing a foreclosure, uh, a foreclosure sale. You know, trustee was auctioning off a house that hadn't paid the mortgage and they were auctioning off it for, for the bank. And I was like, huh, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily a home buyer at the time. I wasn't really an investor. I do a little bit now, but at the time I was, you know, I was a really a, a green realtor who was looking for angles that other people weren't using. And, um, so yeah, I met a couple of the guys and I realized uh, these, the guys that are coming here, I mean, they're operating under such standards, such as, you know, 10% cash deposits at the day of the sale. You know, so if it's a $200,000 bid and you buy it, they're writing a $20,000 non-refundable check that day for the right to purchase the house and close in 30 days. And they're back, they're paying all the back taxes and all this stuff was really a green light for me. And it was an aha moment. I was like, aha, you know, these, these guys who are buying these are, they, they have money. This is what they do. They're buying real estate and real estate is what I sell. You know, so I really had to find a way to get into that market. And so what I ended up doing is I realized there was no real value added service that I could give these guys. You know, we'll just say these four or five guys who were always there bidding on these houses. There was no value added service I could give them at the courthouse steps outside of standing there as a realtor and saying, Hey, this is what I think it's worth. There was no way I could make real money doing that because they simply weren't willing to pay me to do it. 
So what I did is I went to them and said, hey, you know, you guys are buying these things. How about if I do the upfront work for you free of charge? Yeah, we can meet weekly. I can tell you what I think they're worth. You guys can, you know, have your opinions. I'll get some pictures. We'll do some comp work. Um, so we always know what they're worth. So we're going in with, you know, with you know, a good idea of, you know, what we want to pay for this property. And, you know, if you guys get it, you owe me absolutely nothing. Just let me list it when the time comes. So it was a real... Uh, budding kind of concept. Nobody else was doing it. These guys were just sitting on the courthouse steps kind of making decisions, the best informed decisions they know how to make, and no realtors wanted to work with them because it just didn't feel like there was any upfront money. You know, So grab that bull by the horns, and now I have five or six guys who have created their own company, and this is all they do, and they do it throughout the state. They do it in multiple states. I'm always their representative on both sides of it. You know, so it was just a creative idea that I stumbled upon. You know, I always like to tell people that this was not something I, I read in a book. And I was like, ah, I got to run down to that courthouse steps and you know check this out. Right? I I literally just happened to be driving past it. You know, the the harder you work, the luckier you get. Right? And there it was, and I was able to find a creative way to make money off of it, and it's been great to me. Let's dig into that a little bit. Say stat wise, if you were to look at this part of your business. How many of these research projects do you do that end up turning into listings later on? Well, that's a, that's a toughie. Here, here's what I can say is of the four, the four or five guys who have all become one company are also their own entities also, you know, so they, 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 what it's really turned into me for is probably over the grand scheme of things, I would say 50% of my business. And here's, here's why. I kind of lump that into the real percentage of my business because at the end of the day, that's kind of what these are. You know, these, are, these things are owned. You know, they, they, they're, they're bank properties that are bought by these guys that, you know, they go in and they rehab and I manage and do cop work and BPO work and, and resell it. I kind of lump it into the real side of the world for myself. I would say of 350 deals last year, probably a good 120, 130 either started there or came from this group of guys that I work with. So it's been huge, especially during the, uh, when things were absolutely terrible and the world was coming to an end and everybody was losing their house. We were just cleaning, cleaning the clock. You know, we, we were the only ones standing there. Nobody else was doing it. Nobody else knew how to do it. And we were just, uh, we, we, they were making a lot of money and I, and I was getting, a lot of listings. So I would say at one time, to get back to your question here, I would say at one time we were probably reviewing um, maybe you know, 50, 60 houses a week. And that was, of course, when things were really, really bad. you know. And um, uh, of those 50 or 60, we might have bought two or three. you know. And of those two or three, you know, I would, well, I would list, listed every single one of them. Every once in a while you lose one because there's a title issue or something. But so I would say... I would say that it was worth every nickel I ever put in it. How about that? <laughs> so it's been one of the best things I ever did. It was basically resulting in about 8 to 12 listings per month. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very, very, very much so. As a matter of fact, um, those guys are still my, I mean, they're my absolute number one clients that I do a huge chunk of my business with. And it's just been I would say right now they're probably 50, 60% of my transactions. And, you know, I'm doing 30, 32, 33 transactions a month right now. So, you know, they're, 
they're in some fashion 10, 12, 300 vaccines a month for me. And it all started there. You know, I want to say, because there'll be some, some people who listen to this who say, uh, you know, oh my God, that's not how it works in our state. Every state, every state's a little bit different. You know, you have judicial states, you have non-judicial states, you have redemption states, you have non-redemption states. There's, there's, there's a lot of different rules uh, with a lot of different states. Like West Virginia happens to be a non-judicial, non-redemption state, which means if you don't pay, you simply don't stay. You know, if you don't pay, they sell your house and the highest bidder gets it, you got 30 days, and off you go, okay? Um, of course, I, I'm breaking it down relatively simple, but there's, there's more rules to it than that. Like, if you go just one state um, west to us in Maryland, it's a whole different world. It's a judicial state with redemption rights, which means even after it's sold and even after it's purchased, it still has to go to a, to a judge at a court who has to what then ratify what they call ratify the uh, the sale. In other words, was it done right? Was it done correctly? And then even after that, there's a period that the previous mortgager can redeem. And yes, you know, so there's a whole different process over there. So I, I just want to I want to elaborate that it's there's a lot of money that can be made in it. But make sure you know what you're doing and make sure you ask the questions of your state. You know, find find a local attorney. You know, certainly attorneys can tell you everything you need to know about, you know, the, the redemption laws in your state. So uh, but as far as West Virginia, it's it's been it's been a really good thing for us. This is really interesting. So when you were talking about this program, in a lot of ways it sounded like you were a partner with these guys rather than acting as their broker or agent. Did you all set up a company where you became an equity investor with them? Or have you remained as the broker or the representative outside of that ownership group? Well, there's, there's two answers. As a matter of fact, one of the guys in that company owns my company with me, Touchstone Realty. He's half owner and I'm half owner. And of course, you know, I met him at the courthouse steps and we kind of kindled a good relationship. You know, he owns that company with me, uh, uh, Touchstone Realty. He's, he's one of our partners here. So in that fashion, yes. Um, in the fashion of, am I one of the investors who sit at the courthouse steps with them? Do I fund any of this project? Do I? No, not, none of that has anything to do with me. Yeah. I, uh, I, I've always gotten into the habit of saying we because it just always makes me feel involved. It always makes me feel connected to, you know, to the project that I happen to be working on at that time. So you know, sometimes I confuse people when I say that, like we bought the house or we, you know, not necessarily they bought the house. I relisted it for them and, you know, and sold it. But, you know, just that courthouse steps has really created so much for, you know, it. It was the, the foundation of the business we created, Touchstone Realty, you know, because Touchstone, we had to have something to, to sell all these houses with. You know, we had to, we realized, I'm like, oh, well, you know, certainly I can't do all this work. We need to hire some buyer's agents, you know, so and, and it kind of spiderwebbed after that. But and to, to just answer your question in general, no, I, I, I don't do anything such as that. You've compared the Courthouse Steps Group to your REO business, and it sounds like you're managing the properties and helping to sell the properties for this group of courthouse investors, similar to how you would handle those same tasks for a bank or an asset manager. Would that be accurate? 
That's very accurate. Um, the only thing I don't do is have any financial responsibility in it. Like when for Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, you know, the, those guys, you know, you, you do a rehab and you pay for the rehab. Now, of course, they reimburse you. You know, you have to send your invoices in. You get your reimbursements. But, you know, you're, you're on the hook financially for some time period. Um, with these guys, you know, they, they, of course, fund everything. They, they buy everything. They close everything. But, you know, I'm, I'm there every step of the way, uh, walking through the houses with them, saying, you know, do this, do this, don't do this, forget this, you know, making advised decisions of, you know, do we do rehab, do we not do rehab, do we do the carpet and the paint, is it a full rehab, do we just flip the paper, you know, so there's, there's a, that literally a two-hour conversation you and I could have on just this one process, but you know, for the for the most part, that's what I am. I I am their asset manager. That's the best way to look at it. Is you know, my my job is to make sure that their assets are being taken care of and everything's moving forward in the correct process. And you know, of course, time is money and timelines are important. And you know, that that's why I've been so successful in my career with Rios and with these guys and with short sales and everybody else is because I treat timelines like like they should be treated. And a, a deadline is a deadline. It's like like being in the Navy. If you show up five minutes late, you might as well be five days late. It's all the same. They, they look at it the same way. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like if you're supposed to be somewhere at 7.30 and you're there at 7.35, it doesn't matter that it's five minutes. It, it only matters about one thing, that you're late. It doesn't matter the amount of time you're late. And, you know, I really approached my career that way too, is if, you know, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it, and it's going to happen. And if it's not going to happen, you're going to know well in advance, hey, I'm behind on this, and here are the three reasons why, and here's where I need your help. You know, a lot of realtors don't communicate well, and I, I probably over-communicate sometimes, to be honest with you, Mike. In this arrangement you have with the courthouse investors, is your only form of compensation the commission you receive when you turn around to sell the property? That's correct. It's uh, 100%. That's the only way I make any money is all my money is, you know, made, of course, by my performance and my ability to sell the houses. And, you know, we, we've looked at other things before and we've talked about other things. Uh, maybe, you know, some, some upfront commissions for the work I do up front in exchange for some reduced com- commissions on the back. But we, we've always just kind of come to the conclusion, you know, if it's, if it's not broken, why in the world are we trying to fix it? You know, so... <laughs> I literally make a commission. That that's how it works. You know, I I do take a little bit of a reduced commission just because of the straight volume I do. But you know, they 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 help offset my marketing and yeah. You know, so you know, we we have we have a really good relationship. It's not really a partnership, but it is definitely a relationship. Do they keep any of these properties in their portfolio and then need property management? And if so, do you provide property management services? Yes and yes. They they keep um. I'll tell you, they probably keep maybe uh, 10, 15% of the properties. Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting because there's four guys. Two of the guys are renter heavy. They, they, they like rentals, and that's kind of a long-term goal. The other two guys don't like rentals. They don't want to have anything to do with rentals, and it's just not their gig. As a matter of fact, they're land guys. They like land acquisitions, subdivisions, that kind of stuff, which is really what I like, too. Uh, so typically, if, uh, if we purchase the property and it feels like, hey, you know, it, this would be a really, really good rental. We'll flip it to you know, one of the members inside the, the company and say, here, you know, it's, it's, it's a good rental. Why don't you buy it and, you know, pay us X for it, and of course, at a reduced price. So, yeah, it works for everybody. And then I have the opportunity to, to have property management inside of our company to make additional money. And, you know, so it's a, it, 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 fund, it funds a lot of stuff around here. 
I'm still working on the structure in my head because of some of the things you mentioned that I want to clarify. Uh, you said company and these guys, these four or five guys, are they all in one company or do they have their separate companies and they just happen to bump into each other at the courthouse steps? Uh, yeah, that's exactly how it went. They were all kind of their own individual people. And then, then they realized, hey, you know, we're, we're always here. And we're always bidding each other up. That seems kind of silly, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> so why don't we start our own company? And, you know, everyone was kind of like-minded. Everyone, you know, really had the same, same goals, uh, that they were all there for the same reasons. And that's, and that's how it ended up happening, actually. Now they, they all do their own thing still. I mean, just because you're in that company certainly doesn't mean that they, they don't go buy and sell their own houses sometimes. You know, if you, if you find a deal that has nothing to do with the courthouse steps, I mean, it, then it has nothing to do with the courthouse steps. So, of course, I was able to segue myself into that side of the world, too, you know, because just naturally being a guy who's always sitting there, that's they, they call me, you know, hey, you know, I found this. What do you think? Uh, well, I think it's a buyer. I think it's not a buy. The the most challenging part for me and the most challenging part for any realtor out there, if you could actually get this whole process up and running, is to stay true to what you believe. Don't don't get greedy. I mean, you're talking about, you know, these guys can buy anything they want to buy. There's um, price and money is no object. And they they always want to say, are you sure that's not worth 180 and if I say it's worth 160, I stick to that. It's worth 160. And the reason being is at the end of the day, I have to be right. I can't afford to be wrong. And even if, yeah, sometimes I might be wrong and underpriced something that they probably should have bought in the long run, if you go back and look at what it hit the market for versus what it sold for, yeah, we missed some. I mean, I'm certainly not perfect. But you really have to, you, you can't get greedy because it'd be really easy for me to say all six of these houses that are selling today are deals and you should buy every single one of them. Well, that creates a problem for me in 30 or 60 days from now because now I've hung my hat on that and they've hung their money on that, you know. So it could be really easy to get really greedy and be like, I, I'm out of listings, you know, I, you know my, my pipeline's low. I, I need to pump my pipeline up. I, I, I got to get these prices up a little bit and convince these guys to buy. You know, we have such a relationship that if, if I say it's a buy, they buy it. That, and, that, and that's where we are right now in our life, and that's where I want to keep it. <laughs> it hasn't always been that way, but I, you know, I've earned my way to be able to look them in the eyes and say, hey, you, you want this, and they don't, they don't question me. They just buy it. So it's a, it, it is really it could be an entire business for, some, for somebody. From what I'm hearing, it sounds like, first of all, you want to be conservative on your valuations, your value estimates. And secondly, you want to treat their money as though it were your own. You know, I don't think you could have said it any better. I mean, because those two things are so, so very true. First of all, their money is my money, <laughs> you know, and in more, one, more ways than one. But I'm saying like the, the commission, you know, I, I've got to treat them that way. You know? So, yeah, I think you're exactly right. So if someone were thinking about going in this direction in their career or adding this as a department, how would they go about it? What would you recommend their approach be? How would they find these people at the courthouse steps? What would they say to them? How would they build this relationship that you've built? I speak a lot on uh, scheduling and foundation building and you know time blocking and that kind of stuff. And uh, a period of my day is spent, and a period of my time block is spent every day in research. And that's where I would tell people to really start is, you know, set some 
time apart during the day. It could be an hour, two hours, an hour a week, an hour a day, whatever you whatever you feel is necessary to get the job done. And really research. And here are some things where you can you know, you can find these people. First of all, go to the courthouse or go to the tax sales or go to the to the you know, to the auctions or, you know, that kind of stuff and figure out, you know, who's there, you know, introduce yourself, say hi, shake hands, you know, don't, don't ever, ever, ever be there as a realtor. That's what I always tell people. Don't go there as a realtor. Don't go there expecting to make money. Don't go there expecting for them to listen to you. The type of people who are dropping that kind of money do not respect realtors. I know that's terrible and I know it's a terrible thing to say, but that's just reality. Most of them don't think we know what we're talking about. So don't be that guy, if that makes sense. Just kind of be there and, you know, shake hands, say hi, you know, kind of introduce yourself, just, you know, just, just here checking it out. No big deal. Make sure you make it very clear. You're not trying to compete against anybody. You're just, you know, I'm just there because this is what I do for a living and I really should be here, you know? You need to get with some type of uh, probably an attorney of some type to, who, who can tell you the rules, who can say, you know, here are the rules. We're a trustee state and here's how it works. We're a homestead state. Here's how it works. You know, so I cannot, uh, I, I can't pretend to know all the rules of all the 50 states. You know, I have Maryland and Virginia, West Virginia down pretty well. But, you know, the other 47 states, you know, somebody would really need to dive in there. Make sure you understand. You know, certainly make sure you understand before you're trying to give any advice out, right? And you know, d- define the, the type of people, maybe, and I guess this could happen, it's never occurred to me, but maybe there is nobody there buying houses on the courthouse steps, okay? Certainly, when somebody doesn't pay their, their mortgage payment, there's a process in your state to sell these, these houses. You know, it's your responsibility to find those processes, but maybe there's nobody doing it. And if there's nobody doing it, boy, what a genius setup for whoever the realtor is who just figures this out. But to find these type of buyers, are relatively easy, actually. Um, I like to uh, search the Secretary of State website, uh, which is where people go to register their LLCs and that kind of stuff. Um, you can look at any transfers or recent transfers. I have a full-time abstractor who works in a couple courthouses for me who keeps me kind of updated on you know, who's, who's buying, who's selling, who's kind of active right now. Go to auctions, like real estate auctions, estate auctions, that kind of stuff. The, you know, Typically, the people bidding at auctions have money are investors because you know the the standards to purchase at an auction are just different. You know, you're usually buying as is, you're agreeing to no inspections and you're putting down cash and you're agreeing to close in thirty days. People who do that kind of stuff are naturally risk takers and people who are risk takers are naturally a good real estate investor and they probably have some money. So there's all kinds of places that you could go to find people to do this, but I think step one is to make sure you know what in the world you're doing, you know, make sure you've sat down with somebody and had a good conversation and really understand kind of the rules of your, of your land there. And so you just sort of kind of bump into these folks and start a conversation. How long before you come up with this idea of, Hey, maybe I can help you out by researching the values of these properties. Is that how you start the conversation? Kind of like you would do with an asset manager. I'll do a BPO for you. This is kind of like I'll do a CMA for you. How do you, how do you go to that next level with these investors? You know, I think, I think you'll, you'll know, you'll know, they'll, they'll, they'll start asking you or you can, uh, you know, you, you'll know, I guess is the, I know that's a generic, terrible answer, but you know, you're, you're going to, you're going to feel like, Hey, uh, you know, Hey, I really, I, I feel like, you know, this house is, uh, 
is is worth X. And you know, here are the reasons why. Um, I always like to tell people to make sure that you're not just giving information. You're 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 supporting information. So in other words, if I say to you, Hey, Mike, this is worth worth a hundred thousand dollars. I can't stop there. You know, that, that's got to be an ellipsis, not a period. I need to say, and here's why, is because I know the three houses across the street, X, and I know the guy down the street, I had that under contract, but man, it just fell through, but I had three great showings on it the weekend before. When when you give that kind of information, you know, it really holds water. And it's like, oh, okay, this isn't just some guy who knows what a rancher's worth in some random random subdivision. I mean, this is a guy who's active in his market. He, you know, he's got buyers and sellers up and down the street. He knows what's going on. He knows who's behind this house. You know, so it's really, you, you, you have to create credibility, and credibility comes really slow. You don't just one day wake up and people are like, my God, you know, that person right there, whew, they're credible. You know, it's a, it's a slow process. It's a slow burn, and you, you, you'll just know. You know, they'll start kind of slowly listening to you. Certainly, when I started, I, I didn't even talk to these guys. You know, A, you know, I was probably halfway intimidated. B, I didn't know the process, you know, but eventually as they saw me there enough, and I kind of got to know him and, you know, got to know him on a first name basis. Uh, you know, I think I even went to lunch with him once. You know, they would just kind of leave him for lunch. They walked down the street to a local cafe, and I was just kind of heading that way, you know, quote, unquote, by accident, right? And, you know, I, you know, just kind of sat down, had lunch with him, kind of got to know him. And, you know, this was a year process before I ever became involved in any fashion with them. So the the answer is there's really not a timeline. You're, you're just going to know when it's time for you to kind of step in there. A lot of the markets around the nation have been heating back up. Their recovery has been occurring. You've mentioned that's been occurring in your market. And so a lot of uh, agents will be asking the question, is this still a viable business option? You mentioned that you're still doing it. Do you think it's still a viable option for someone to start today? Sure. Um well, I can say this. Two of the guys who are members of this LLC have been doing it for 35 years. And they both like to say, we've never lost a nickel on the courthouse steps. So, I mean, I don't know if you could have a better endorsement than that. No matter how good things are, people do stop paying their payments, okay? And I think when, when we were doing this in 2005 and 2006, we were we were buying houses based on appreciation. So if we bought it for 150 today, we were really trying to calculate what it was worth 90 days and 120 days from now. As 2006, 7, and 8 came, we started buying on depreciation. So if we buy it for 150, we had to assume it was worth 130 and 90 days from now. You know, so as 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 the product might change and as as the pricing structure and the I guess the the advice might change. The, it, it's still going to be there. Is it going to be as often? No. But when it's not as many properties there, there's not as much competition there, and when there's not as much product there, you're in a you're in a market that's moving up. It's increasing in value, so you're making different decisions. You're probably buying more often, actually. So there might be two or three properties, and one or two of those might be buys that day. Whereas now there's 20 properties and only maybe one of them might be a buy because you're still kind of on a straight line depreciation. You know, so there's there's a lot that goes into it. The answer to the question is it's not going anywhere. You know, people will stop paying their payments. People will die with reverse mortgages. People, you know, so the list goes on and on and on. People will get relocated and lose their house and you know have divorces and you know there's always a situation of why people just lose their house. 
Now, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search RealGTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. I think I noticed somewhere when we were going back and forth that you mentioned you're a, a franchisee of WeBuyHouses.com. Is that connected to what we're talking about here with these investors, or is that something different? Two of the guys who are in this company are actually members of the WeBuyHouses.com. I'm, you know, the, them two plus myself. So I would say it's connected by the members, but it's not the same thing by any means. We don't buy anything off the courthouse steps. We don't, you know, nothing like that. It's a whole different, you know, it's a whole different idea and concept about how we buy houses. So to make a very complicated, <laughs> complicated uh, story easy, um, the best way to describe it is, you know, we we bought that. That's a national franchise. It's not something that we came up with. And, you know, that's what we do. We buy houses with it. And once we buy the house, we, of course, go in, we do the rehab, and then we ship it over to the real estate company that we own. And the real estate company, you know, of course, sells the house for us. You know, so it's all very intertwined, yet all very separate, if that makes any sense. We have a construction company that we own. We have, you know, the real estate company. We got the property management. We got the home buyers. We get, you know, so we we have a lot of lot of the angles covered. But at the end of the day, we we try to keep it as you know as separate as humanly possible. The we buy houses. You're buying those directly from the public. You're buying them from individuals as opposed to the courthouse steps. Is that correct? Yeah. You know, our, our target market there are uh, um, their estates. You know, uh, mom and dad have passed away, and you know, I live in California, and they lived in West Virginia, and uh, you know, what in the world are we going to do with this house? You know, I guess we could call a realtor, and then it's going to be a real pain in the butt. Let's just see if we can find a cash investor. You know, so we're th- those are the type of people we're looking for. Of course, you know, some of the people we look for are people who don't have the ability to sell due to, you know, owing too much. They can't do an equity sale. So we, you know, we offer a short sale service, which we, of course, then refer to our short sale department and the real estate company we own. So you can kind of see how all this is intertwined. And so, you know, we send out, you know, postcards and billboards and we're really looking we're, we're looking for two types of people, people who are dealing with estates and people who just need to sell for whatever reason they can. They have to. You know, they're getting a divorce. They're getting relocated. They're you know, whatever it might be. We're not looking for somebody who needs to maximize their profit, profitability on their home to sell it for as much as they can so they can move to a bigger house. You know, then we leave that up to the real estate side of it. But we're, we're looking for instant gratification people for the lack of a better term. We're looking for people who are in a bind and are like, oh, my lands, I need to sell my house. This is my asset and the only way I can bail myself out right now. You know, certainly, I don't want to sound like we're taking advantage of people, but you know, the options are here. Let's make a little bit of money or let's lose it and make nothing. You know, so so that that's kind of the, the idea behind it. It doesn't have anything to do with short sales. We we don't buy properties off the market. We don't, you know, we're really, we're we're marketing to a very specific niche. I have to assume, you've been doing this for a while, I have to assume that since you've become involved with these real estate investors, that you may have become a real estate investor. Are you personally now a real estate investor as well as a broker? 
Yeah, I am. You know, actually, I'm I'm not a broker in in West Virginia. I'm just a real estate agent. I work for a broker, um, even though I own my own company. Uh, I know it sounds a little funky, but you know, I'm just a realtor. I, I subcontract a broker to you know keep us out of trouble, as I like to say around here. And yeah, I have become an investor. You know, early on in my career, I I never invested in real estate because it was it was too much of a conflict. It was. You know, it, you know I, I can think of several guys in our market who were big hitters at one time who became real estate investors, and you know they they lost their clients because their their clients would say, you know, like, okay, well, if it's such a great deal, why are you calling me? Why aren't you just buying it? Yeah. You know? So what I did is I recognized that you know I I certainly couldn't do that to myself. That would be chopping off my left leg. So what I did is I went into business with my clients. So you know. That way, I could offer something up, such as you know, maybe I say, okay, I, I, you know, I have enough money that I can put my my portion into every deal, and you know, I can leave my real estate commission, or you know, or you know, so there's, in, instead of saying I'm just going to go out and be a real estate investor, and you know, the heck with you guys, and you know, I I wanted to make sure that what I was doing would would not affect my real estate career, and feel like a service that I'm adding to everybody else around me. So yes, very much so. I'm an investor in a lot of houses and a lot of rentals and you know, my you know, my, my company builds houses and you know, so we, we, we have a lot going on, but you know, we're all very very much part of each other's lives. Very good. So so that makes sense. You you've kind of started as a as an agent and you've dealt with investors, and now you and they have morphed into a combination of agent, investor, and new construction, property management, this brokerage side. Uh, it all kind of seems to have stemmed from those courthouse steps. I have to explain that, and I know you know this, but it's like people forget this. And Real estate is not it's not a sprint. You know, this this is a marathon. This is, you know, a well thought out, deliberate, you know, business. And 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 I, and I treat it that way. And you know, if you ever if you ever have about five days to talk to me straight, I, I would I you you could dig down inside of me and you'd be like, holy moly, this guy is crazy, you know. But um, I really do. I I treat it that way. And this is very slow. And I'm doing things today that I know aren't aren't paying me for for weeks, months, years sometimes. I mean, a courthouse steps is a great example of that. Just the, the, the foresight of I need to have these type of people in my life so we can create the end goal, which is, of course, this all-encompassing business that we have. Yeah, you know, this this is a slow thing, and if you're in if you're in real estate to get rich tomorrow, please Lord, get out. You know, it's, this is not the right industry for you. Um, you you got to be slow. You got to be willing to move slow. You you got you got to think production, not think commission. You you know, you really have to. You, know, you got to hone in on yourself. You know, and um, people don't do that. You know, people get in, and you know, we hear this all the time. But I got into real estate, and I had no money. Uh, wait, what? Seriously? Like you got into, uh, you became a real estate agent, and you didn't have at least a little bit of money saved up. I mean, you know, so there's these all these scenarios that we we all hear about and we all talk about. But most importantly, gotta be willing to do your time and just relax, step back, know that you're coming at it at a slow pace, but you're you know you're you're forging forward. <laughs> you know, like you're going to get there. Yeah, you know, this doesn't have to happen tomorrow. If I were to step back and and look at it, it sounds to me as though your success over the, the last nine years or so, the way it's developed, it's it's really developed through partnerships 
that partnerships would be the key to your success. You, uh, it doesn't sound to me like you own any of these entities outright. You own or you're part of or you've partnered up with other people to spread the risk and share in the reward. Is that correct? It is correct. And that that's not by accident. That It was 100% by pure design. You can only do so much in your life, and you only you, know, you only have so many hours in a day. And you know, I often brag that I work nine to five, even though it's really about eight to five. And I do, and I, I go home at five o'clock. My phone stays in my car, and we'll deal with it in the morning. Um, and the way I've been able to do that is by putting the best people around me as I can. Now you you can't hire the best people and pay them ten, twelve bucks an hour. Okay, some people like to hire the best people and try to pay them 20 bucks an hour. And then the next thing you know, you, you have a staff of 20 and you know, you're paying everybody all this money. And, you know, you got all this headache and stress. You can't sleep at night. Um, been down that road, tried it, didn't work. It was a, it was a total failure. You know, so the, the, the second strategy in my life was, you know, let's take the really good people that I got. And why don't we go at this together? You know, it doesn't all have to be about me. It doesn't, this isn't about the money. This, this is about, you know, comfort of living and about, you know, being able to, you know, sleep at night and not get nosebleeds from stress and your shoulders hurt and your back hurt. And, you know, there's, there are realtors out there that will relate to what I just said. You know, the, I, I've been there. You know, the migraine headaches and you can't sleep at night and these clients are wearing you out and you're trying to do everything by yourself and you got five on staff that you got to pay this week that you got to figure out. Even my even my one assistant is my partner. She's she's my partner. She's in ownership with me and multiple of these entities. Okay, why? Be, because she is as good as me, or because yeah, no, none of that. Because that keeps her committed, and that and that makes her, you know, really feel like okay, I'm I'm part of this. I'm not just some ten or twelve hour, uh, you know, ten twelve dollar an hour person. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm part of this, and your success is my success, and your failure is my failure. You know, so. You know, I you you can tell I, I get all passionately emotional about this because people people are so dangling greedy and it's like like seriously I mean like why don't we all come together and we'll all be a team we'll all got this together and you know you get some great minds around you and get some great people around you and everyone brings a little something different to the table so yeah I mean it worked for me it's worked well and if I can figure out a way tomorrow to, you know, form a little LLC to, to, to sell widgets and rocks. Uh, if <laughs> I'm going to do it, <laughs> you know. So, yes, I, I'm a strong believer. Uh, have a couple partners. Make sure everyone brings, you know, different, you know, different things to the table. There's no need to have, you know, two realtors as partners. You know, you're both realtors. I mean, what are we doing here, you know. So, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Well, we've been kind of expanding and looking at a, a big picture of your organization, the, the overarching structure of things. I'd like to zoom back down a couple notches and talk about the the real estate brokerage side. You have this brokerage. I understand you're an agent, but that, that, that brokerage, I'm going to just keep referring to it as brokerage because I can understand that as a business. That brokerage, tell me who's involved in that organization. You said you have one personal assistant. Is it just you and one personal assistant in the real estate brokerage? You know, in, in the overall brokerage is uh, it's called Touchstone Realty. We're five offices in four states, and we're 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 relatively big. I mean, certainly we're not Century Twenty One, ERA, Remax, you know, K- KW. But you know, for our area, for an independently owned company, we're rather large. Okay, um, I am simply a realtor inside that organization. I happen to own half the company, but my my job every day, day in day out, is to be a realtor and sell houses. 
and the numbers I report are the houses I sell. I don't I don't report numbers that you know some guy in my office sold. You know, it's like you get a lot of that sometimes. Like I sold a thousand transactions last year, and you're thinking, how in the world did you sell a thousand transactions by yourself? You, you know, well, you sold a thousand transactions because you have you know nine people who work on under you as buyers agents. You know, so we're we're. We're we're all our own agents. We all do our own thing. We're we're very much a team oriented um, team company. Like there is no, like hey you know uh, here's a lead. Go close it. And make sure you report it under me. That's not how we do it here. So um, yeah, it's me and one 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 assistant. The girl she's been with me since day one. So uh, and that that's how we do it. So. Um, it, there, there is no magic formula, and there's a, uh, there's a lot of processes and a lot of things we do, and we, I like to call it a real estate conveyor belt. And you know, everything we do has a purpose, and you know, we, we hit big numbers, and that's, that's, that's what we do. That's helping me to define and, and come down to a question you just asked about others, and now I want to ask uh, to you, how in the world are you closing 349 transactions in a year with one assistant? Oh, geez. Um, well, I wish I could say it was uh, easy, but it's not. Um, we're we're very regimented. We have a very strong process. Our our company does offer a couple services, such as a a closing coordinator, for instance. We have a closing coordinator that once we ratify a contract, you know, we we get it all done. We put it in the folder, get the folder set up, turn it over to the, you know, to the to the closing coordinator. You know, she keeps course of keeps us on on track and make sure we get to our inspections when we're supposed to be there. Yeah, so we do have a, we have a lead generator in the office that helps us generate leads and keep our leads in the right order. So we 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 do have a couple, I guess, office staff that is that helps provide me more services to, you know, to, to spread out my time a little bit better. But, you know, there's the the best answer I can say is simply 100% by you know, just doing it right, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Is over and over and over, we do the, the same way over and over and over and over. If it's farming, we do the same farm the same way every single time. If it's, you know, what, whatever it might be, you know, we have a lot of things that we, a lot of things that we do, a lot of trick things that we do. But, you know, when, when a contract comes in the door, I research it, make sure everything's good, put it on her desk, put some notes on it. Here's the things we need to look at. She drops it into a proprietary software that I created years ago that, you know, keeps us moving in the right direction, keeps everything going, turns it in. You know, so what I'm trying to say is I don't want to necessarily throw my process out there, but is it's not by accident. It's not, it's not like, you know, my hair's I'm not running around here with my hair all on fire trying to figure out oh my god, you know, I got I got pink and purple sticky notes stuck all over my back, you know, we we all know those kind of realtors. But um you know, everything's very regimented, everything's on a conveyor belt, everything's on a timeline and um you know, most importantly there's there's no such thing as a real estate emergency. Um I always like to say that to people is don't think there's an emergency. There's really simply not a real estate emergency. So get to it when you get to it. And you know, we, we waste so much time trying to solve everyone else's problems when 90% of the time those problems will solve themselves. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of tricks to what I do, but um, those are real numbers and it's just me and her. <laughs> and it sounds like the company is uh, providing some of the work effort, uh, some of the staff that, that you get to utilize 
for your group and also other agents in the office will utilize those people. But you're able to, to delegate some of that workload to the office staff, this closing coordinator, lead coordinator. Are there other people in the office that you're able to delegate tasks to or other people even outside of the office that you're delegating some tasks to? You know, none that um, none that are full time. You know, people who work for me. We, you know, we have a we have a construction company that I kind of alluded to. Um, they help us with lock changes, putting out lock boxes, hanging signs, taking pictures, such as that. So my one of the things that I'm really really good at is doing as little as possible with as much return as humanly possible. Yeah, I oh, I'm a firm believer in why do what you can do today if you can get someone to do it for you tomorrow. Okay, and that sounds terribly arrogant and it sounds sounds wrong almost, you know. But the reality is, is you only have so many times, so much time in a day. So if if you know somebody's going to the courthouse tomorrow, why would you go today and instead of just saying, hey, Chris, could when you're there tomorrow, could you pull these two things for me and bring it back? Yeah, sure, no problem. You know, we're a team. We, we all do that and help each other out around here. You know, so, you know, even as, you know, down to the little, tiniest little nuances, you know, like I, I refuse to scan myself anything. Why? Because it takes forever for me to get anything scanned for myself. So I'll take it to one of the girls who kind of work over on the other side in the Rio department and kindly say, would you mind scanning this to me? Yeah, sure, no problem. I don't mind helping, you know. So, yeah, I, I really try to, you know, take advantage of people, which, you know, in the context it sounds weird, but, you know, I take advantage of people when, when, when I can. And all those little things, like that little scanning example, um, those, those things take time because the next thing you know, you're standing in front of a scanner, something happens, it's broken, someone says hi, you start telling a story, and, you know, 20 minutes later you're back, you're back to the office, you know. It's like activity versus productivity and two totally different things. So, yeah, I like to just kind of delegate as much as I possibly can without being over-delegating. If we were to swoop in there on an average day and uh, be a fly on the wall and watch you, what would we see? What do you do on an average day? A very average day for me is I, I hardly ever leave my desk. I'm a very at-the-desk realtor. As a matter of fact, I wrote an entire chapter in my book about just an at-the-desk realtor because there's always been this philosophy that a guy who sits at the desk can't make money in real estate and can't be successful, even as far as my listing appointments. Um, if you are interested in me coming out to list your house, I make you come to my office first. And that's because I want you in my territory and I want to sit down with you and look at real comps that you can't try to argue, I guess, you know, like, well, this house has, you know, bump outs in mind. You know, I just really wanted to really put people in my territory and make sure they're going to abide by my rules. And, you know, do I want to work with them? And, you know, do they want to work with me? Um, so I'm a very at the office guy. I, I work hard. My door is always open, but people know that I'm in there working. You know, I, I don't waste any time. Every, Every minute of my day is absolutely set aside. Um, I know exactly what I'm doing and what I'm going to be working on. I, I have a very regimented schedule that includes things such as, you know, my circle of production, my circle of influence, my, yeah. So you know, my, my farming, you know, all the things that I'm working on, you know, I, I, it's all in my schedule. It's all written down. You know, I, I do a weekly schedule every Friday. I work on the next week's schedule. Um, I know when my closings are, even though I don't go to many of my closings, I know when they're happening. Yeah. So what, what you would see would be surprising. You would say, yeah, this, this guy's, 
not doing anything. <laughs> you know, what in the world is this guy doing? How's how's he accomplishing anything over there? You know, but I'm a I'm a very tech guy. I have a lot of systems in place and a lot of uh, you know websites that I use and a lot of things that I've created and spreadsheets that I've created to keep us all moving in the same direction. So really, you you would see me sitting in front of two or two computers and an iPhone and an iPad working, thinking, man, what I bet that guy's on Facebook. Let me ask this. You, you've got this operation. You've got a, a lot of things going on, a lot of activity. There's going to be some agents out there looking at your operation. They're going to ask the question, are you profitable? Ridiculously profitable. Um, I don't know how else to say it. Man, I mean, it's really hard to sell the amount of houses that I sell and not be profitable. You know, my, my company pays for everything for me, so I don't have any, you know, monthly overhead or weekly overhead or desk fees or anything such as that. The, the company's really profitable. I am a real, I'm, as a realtor, have been extremely profitable, and, you know, the We Buy Houses is profitable. So, you know, but I, I don't want it to sound like we haven't failed. I mean, we, we have failed in things. You know, the, the first endeavor I started was uh, Home Team Realty which I don't yeah, doubt if you've ever heard of, but it was it was a failure. It was an absolute flop, but that's okay. You don't ever succeed until you fail. So learned a lot of lessons. You know, I kind of you know, pick, picked it back up and said, okay, dust myself off. Here are, the, here are the mistakes I made, the decisions I made that were right versus wrong. And, you know, I started back over. And, and that's okay. You know, people kind of look at me, uh, even in my market, in my industry, the people who know me on a personal level and think, well, of course he's successful. Look at all the things he's got. Well, that's not a fair statement because I started with absolutely the same thing that everybody else started with. And I had no money. I had no you know, college degree. All I had was a dream and an idea and a concept that has come together. A lot of the reason why I, uh, I, wrote, I wrote a book called Delivering Real Estate Wealth, and a lot of the reasons why I wrote that was because th- there was no... There was no training module that taught you how to do this. There was no, there was no one. It's like this whole industry was competitive, and you know, you think of you know the guy sitting next to you in a cubicle as your friend, and you know you you go home and you come back and there's leads missing off your board, and you're thinking, boy, where'd those go? Well, the guy beside you just stole them, you know. So, <laughs> and that's happened to me. And you know, as you work in these big corporate you know environments, with you know when I worked at it doesn't matter where I worked, but you know what I mean. So I'm. I think the answer to your question is yes, it's profitable today. Has it always been profitable? No. Has has everything always, you know, been perfect? No. Has have have I tried things that weren't successful? <laughs> Terribly unsuccessful, you know? That's okay. That's part of this. And you know, it's not it, it's not about it's not about your successes, it's about how you accomplished over your failures. And I totally believe in that. What's your profit margin as a percentage of your revenues? Are you talking about just straight realtor income? Yeah, on your realtor side, I know you've got a lot of different businesses going on, but just that realtor side, you're transacting businesses and earning commissions and having costs associated with that. What, how much of that money do you end up bringing home? What, what is your net profit margin on that, what you call the realtor side of your business? Yeah, the realtor side of my business. You know, um, to be honest with you, I, I haven't really ever even thought about it. But I mean, yeah, let's see. Um, it, you know, I've never really thought about it. Which I guess it's 
sounds absolutely crazy because you know everyone always says you know sit down write down your your goals for the year make sure you know what you you know how much income you want to make um you know i i look at production not commission i say that all the time i've probably said it three times since you and i've been talking so so as as i look at you know kind of i look at the production side of it not the commission side of it here here's what i do know Okay, is my bills are very little. I have next to none, and that's just because you know the structure I have at my real estate company, where you know they pay for everything. However, I'm a 50/50 agent here, which I know people think, "Oh my God, are you serious?" The the amount of money you do and the amount of production you do, you're still a 50/50 agent. It's just what works for me. Okay, I used to work at Remax, and that worked for me too, but it just didn't. It just had a different feel to it. So if I if I had to say, you know, I. I, I probably only spend, you know, a, a couple thousand bucks a month at the very, very most. Um, you know, and I'm closing 32, 33 transactions a month. So, I mean, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to kind of figure it up. I'm making a lot of money. And, you know, I'm proud of that. And I'm not saying it in a vain way. You know, I've worked hard to get to where I am. But, you know, it doesn't cost me much to to, to run my business anymore. And mostly everything is done off, you know, my circle of influence or my cop or my you know, and that that's just how my business works, mostly referrals still now. I'm not a billboard guy, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't believe in spending I don't yeah, I don't believe in spending a whole bunch of money. You know, I'm having a hard time with the question, but I, I I don't believe in spending a whole bunch of money to try to make a whole bunch of money, if that makes any sense. Well, if I were to just kind of take a big picture, if if you took in a hundred dollars from one of your agent activities, a commission, a hundred dollar commission, fifty percent goes to the company. You're left with fifty percent, and of that, you maybe are spending another five percent or so. So I was guessing, just off the top of my head, from what you've told me, you're probably netting out forty to forty five percent of the gross commission dollars you brought in on that transaction. Does that sound like we're in the ballpark? Yep, I was going to say 35 percent, and that's only because I pay my assistant ten percent of everything I do. So yeah, we're we're in this we're in the same ballpark. You just didn't know that little fact. So yeah, I would say you're 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 spot on. And you know, I kind of coming back to that that, and that's one of the reasons why I do that is I you know my successes are her successes. You know, true. What drives you? My family drives me. I, you know, I, I'm a very family first type of guy. That's not a cliche at all. I promise you. Uh, I, I like to tell this story. Just a couple months ago, my uh, my daughter had just started uh, kindergarten. Actually, my youngest daughter had started kindergarten, and uh, yeah, she was having a little transitional period where you know she didn't quite understand that you know the teacher was in charge at school and uh, mommy and daddy were in charge at home. So she thought she could go to school, and since mommy and daddy weren't there, then she could kind of do what she wanted to do. Well, of course, she kept getting her correctional cards, is what they call it. So uh, I went to school with her. And I said, and I'm going to go to school with you until you figure this out. You know, so I'm a, I'm a very family first guy. And, you know, I, I want my, uh, my kids to know like, Hey, you know, my dad was there, right. It's sentimental. It's fun to say that, but I really am, you know, of course, travel motivates me. I I like to travel. Um, I love my job. That definitely motivates me. Um, I love what I'm doing. I love uh, I love getting up and coming to work every day. I mean, it's almost a tragedy to even call this work, to be honest with you. <laughs> but um, I, I really, really love to come to work. But you know, I'm not just a I'm not just a work guy. You know, I I like hanging out with my kids. I like to play soccer. Um, I, I have a pretty good social life outside of the office. You know, so 
you know, I'm I'm a pretty surfacey type of guy. You know, I I don't do a whole bunch of things. I don't travel the world. I don't, you know, I just I really just kind of like to be at home. You know, cuddle up on the couch, watch TV, and just keep it simple. Jer, why do you think you've been so successful? I've been successful because I haven't quit. There's this real deep down energy that I have that, you know, some people just have a hard time finding, I guess, but I just simply don't know how to quit. I know how to fail. I've proven that over and over and over, and I know how to be wrong. I've proven that over and over and over. I just, I just won't quit. And, you know, the, one of the big things that you'll always hear everyone who knows me is I, I'm a problem solver. And, you know, we all like to think that we're problem solvers, but I, I take problem solving to a whole different level. Whereas I'm looking for a problem before there is a problem to solve the problem that we could have a problem so I can be a problem solver. You know, it's just, that's how my brain works. You know, I'm a, I'm a chess player, um, chess player in real life and I'm a chess player in my brain. That's just how I'm wired. You can't teach people that. Um, you either are or you aren't. You know, it's just like basketball. You can either jump high or you can't jump high. You know, of course, you know, it's just the way it works. That's really, really helped me in my real estate career to be able to kind of, you know, be able to stand outside. You know, um, Wayne Gretzky used to always say, I'm a hockey guy. Wayne Gretzky used to always say, you know, they'd say, how do, how do you score so many goals? And he'd say, well, I get out in front of the puck and I wait for it. Well, you know, when you really think about that is, you know, you don't go to where the puck is, you go to where the puck's going. And I've always, I've always liked that analogy because that's, that's true in real estate. You know, what I'm doing today, if you just look at my business last year, which was very heavy Rio, what I'm doing today is not heavy Rio. I'm, I'm back into new construction. I'm working with national builders again. Why am I doing that? It, this isn't an accident. I'm not just thinking, huh, you know, that builder, that guy's a really nice guy. I'm going to work with him. <laughs> you know, um, it's, uh, I'm, I'm thinking forward. I'm looking a year, two years ahead of time thinking, okay, Rios are going away. What's next? Well, you know, of course, builders will follow, you know, and then what's after that? Land acquisitions and um, commercial development again. So I think for me, what has really been the key is just to be able to solve problems, stay ahead of people, and, you know, just, you know, kind of hedge my own way forward. You mentioned earlier you have uh, recently written an ebook, Delivering Real Estate Wealth. Tell us about that. Why did you write this book and what's in it? I wrote the book because there wasn't a book. <laughs> you know, that's why I wrote the book. Because it goes back to the story in, in Arizona where there was no, could somebody please tell me, give me an idea of what I'm supposed to be doing. Everybody has, you know, Century 21, Remax, ERA, KW, they, they all have wonderful training you know, training modules, but I hated them. I, they, they, they weren't practical. It just didn't, just didn't work for me. So the reason I did it was because, you know, I had all this stuff that I had tried and some successes and some fails that I really wanted to get down on a piece of paper. And so I just kind of started. And the next thing you know, you know, is the, the entire program, the, the, kind of the backstory is the, um, Drew. D-R-E-W, Delivering Real Estate Wealth. It's actually an acronym. I don't know if you picked up on that. But it just uh, it, it started and it manifested and it kept going. This is like three or four years worth of work that has now come kind of to fruition. Um, as I started to speak more, people would say, hey, you know, like some of the stuff you're training on, do you, you got any of that in writing? <laughs> you know, so it really, that's kind of where it started. 
Um, but most importantly, what it is, is it's just, it's a series of 10 eBooks of which we just launched our first one, as you said, um, that takes you from day one. Not, I'm not going to say day one to retirement because that's not really what it's about. It's really, you know, it, it doesn't matter if you've been doing it 20 years or one day. It speaks to you from the first sentence. And, you know, we talk about scheduling. We talk about time blocking. We talk about, you know, Ford and Farm, Circle of Influence, and all these things that a lot of people probably have no idea what in the world I'm even talking about. You know, we, we break it all down, you know, farming networking, you know, how to, how to tie in all these businesses together. It's all, it's all in there. Um, so that, that, that's why I did it. And the, the best answer I can always tell people is why'd you do it? Because there was nothing else like it. That's why. Because no one, um, everyone always felt like real estate had to be a big secret. Like, you know, Hey, how'd you pick up that lead? Um, um, well, um, coffee shop, <laughs> you know, it's like, why does this have to be a big secret? Why would you not say, man, I tried this, uh, you know, this, this pumpkin drive last week in the subdivision I'm farming and I just killed it. You know what? I mean, I don't understand why, why, why can't we treat each other that way in the real estate industry? So I, I wanted to kind of just pull a bunch of ideas together, which you know, I think at first I thought it would be a hundred pages and it's, I think it's a thousand pages in 10 books now. Um, I just wanted to pull the ideas together, put it in one universal place where someone could pick it up for cheap. I think it's like eight ninety nine or something on Amazon and just really say, Man, this is good stuff. You know, this this is how this guy's done it. I'm gonna follow the, the you know his track and I absolutely kept no secrets. It's all in there. Now you've mentioned ten book series and one book I am a little confused. Are there ten books or one book? There there's a total of ten books written, but we're only one book at a time. So we're gonna probably launch uh we launched our first book November first, which we've just had tremendous reviews has just been it, it's been much better than i could have ever thought it would have been how about that um i would say we'll probably launch the second one maybe uh june july august somewhere like that and then we'll maybe follow that pattern in the following december again we we don't really have a full uh we don't have a real timeline we're we're just kind of we're launching it seeing how it works if it works good we'll go ahead and do the next one you know it's very expensive to do this stuff um as you can imagine you know between writers and designers and amazon and everybody else itunes and you know it's 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 very expensive to do it essentially so you know we're we're testing the waters it's been tremendous i can't believe how great it's been the downloads are just flying in getting great feedback from you know people i've never met you know people that i've maybe spoke to in dallas who have found it yeah so it's just it's, it's been really good drew where could they pick up your book you know, the easiest way to pick up the book is just to go to my website, which is uh, DeliveringRealEstateWealth.com or the DrewProgram.com. Either one of those will go there. You know, there's a lot of stuff on there. There's blogs. There's all kinds of stuff. But most importantly, there's there's a link that says, you know, you, you can buy this book at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iBooks. There's links on there and everything. If you just want to buy it directly from Amazon, they can just go to um, buydrew.com, B-U-Y-D-R-E-W.com. That'll take them directly to Amazon. You know, and it's it's important to me that uh, that we uh, <laughs> get this thing up and running. And, you know, I, I, I'm very excited about it. And I, you know, I, I can't wait to see what the actual true potential of the Drew system is. You've written this book. Sounds like you're doing some speaking. Are you also doing training? Yes. You know, I, I, I've been doing coaching, you know, 
Very, very early on, this a guy said to me, his name's Leo Pareja. He's one of the top agents in the nation for many years. He said, he said, who's your coach? I said, huh? He said, who's your coach? I said, oh, I don't have a coach. What do you mean you don't have a coach, <laughs> you know? And I said, well, I don't have a coach. Should I have a coach? <laughs> you know? And he's like, yeah, you should have a coach. Yeah, so, you know, I I still work with a coach. I have a guy that coaches me, that, um, and, and I, yes, have started coaching also. As a matter of fact, I take some of his overflow stuff now. But I, I believe coaching is important, okay? And I, and I think everyone should have their own personal coach. However, comma, coaches are expensive, and that's a, it's a luxury. It's not a must. If you can find some type of system that you can, you know, work beside or, you know, if it's, you know, ninja training, if it's Top Hopkins, if it's, you know, the Drew system, if it, whatever it might be, you know, if you can find something, stick to it. That's, that, I think that's really all you need with today and technologies. But yes, the answer is I have 20 students and I'm not taking on any more and it's a lot of work. Who's your coach? His name is Leo, Leo Pareja. I don't know if you've ever heard of him or not. Um, oh, yeah. He, do you know him, really? Oh, yeah. It was one of our first interviews. Leo's awesome. Oh, Leo's, uh, he, Leo really helped me in this industry get me started. Um, you know, Leo, Leo put me in the right places. He put me in the right direction. And he's the guy, and I hope if you ever see him, you tell him I said this. You don't have to put this on the air. But he, he's the guy who really, really made me realize that anybody can do this. Like, like, quit making excuses. You know, you, you can do this, and here's how you do it. You know, you talk about just an amazing person and just sharp. Oh, my God, he's smart. You know, <laughs> that's a side note. But anyway, yeah, Leo, um, he's been training me for years and years and years. Leo Pereira, multi-transactional sellers. I think that's one of the terms that he's coined. He has coined that. You're right. And he's a... Uh, he, you know, he's a big supporter of the Drew system. He's uh, he's helped me just tremendously throughout his database. You know, he he helps me get speaking engagements because he's you know he's a pretty big, well-known national speaker now. So, yeah, you know, he he's a great guy, and he's like five years younger than me, and I'm only 35. Yeah, I think he just turned 30 or something silly. So, if you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? The first thing I think you need to do is. You need to really pick the person, the brokerage that you decide to work for. I mean, I, I tell everyone, don't think that, you know, just because you, know, you have a friend who works at a certain brokerage that you should go work at that one too. You need to interview and you need to have specific questions. We talk about this a lot in the Drew system. You need to have specific questions that you ask because everyone, every realtor has different needs. Some realtors, like I know a guy who just got into the real estate industry, and the reason he got into it because he sold his business for $2.8 million. Well, he doesn't need a 50-50 chop shop that pays for everything, okay? He, he needs to go be a REMAX agent and pay their $1,500 or whatever, you know, because it's not, it's not a financial decision for him. Some people, like myself, when they started, have nothing. And you know, I, I, I didn't even know how the world I was going to buy diapers for my daughter, let alone pay you know desk fees and everything else. So I always tell people that, Step one, the, the absolute step one is to find the right place, the right fit for you. And it's not, the right fit isn't always a financial fit. It's how do you feel about the broker and the people on the team, the, the support system, the training systems? Do you buy into their concepts, their theories? Some real estate companies are all about me. 
And that's okay because that, that works for some people. Some real estate companies are all about team and that works for some people and doesn't work for some people. So really, I, I think people make the, the biggest error on the first day is they've just gone and worked for the wrong real estate company. You know, so it's, you're not, you're not a failure. You're not doing bad. You're just not working under the right environment. So I think step one, absolutely make sure you interview with the 100% as many people as you can and make the right decision. Well, Drew, I've, I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any final thoughts for uh, the agents out there? What I'd like to say is you know, just keep on grinding through it. It's, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Make sure you, you know, get some type of training system that you like. Make sure you, you, know, you work towards your goals, set goals during, during the year. And you know, just don't, don't be in a hurry. You know, that, that, don't be in a hurry. Don't be in a rush. Just uh, you know, let, let it come to you. It, it'll happen. Well, Drew, you prove that the long view is more productive over the long haul. You built partnerships and strategies focused on production, not commission, and it's paid off. Your simple concept to add value to courthouse real estate investors has mushroomed into a multi-company real estate juggernaut. By building partnerships, you've lowered your risk and multiplied your returns. Thank you for sharing and being our top agent of the month. And join us next call when we talk to an agent who thinks outside the box, like selling hundreds of Florida condos to his Minnesota clients. Find out who he is on the next success call. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at FreeLeadTime.com. That's FreeLeadTime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.